0: Hi everyone and welcome to the News Agent Podcast. I'm Susie Lysett, Senior Content Executive at Goodlord and uh, today I'm joined by Sean Hooker, Head of Redress at the Property Redress Scheme. So thank you very much for joining me today, Sean.
1: Yes, absolutely Susie, it's a pleasure to be here.
0: I'm sure that many of you out there that are listening and that subscribe to News Agent, you'll probably know Sean. He contributes regularly to our blog with some great opinion pieces around various hot industry topics of the moment. Uh, he's also a regular on our webinars. This is the first podcast recording, though, that, that you've joined me on. Obviously, you are an expert in a few different areas, as your blogs attest. Uh, so I just wondered if, first of all, just to kick us off, you could give us a bit of an introduction in terms of your your background and your, your areas of expertise, Sean.
1: Well, t- certainly Susie. Yeah. well i I've, I've been involved in this uh, this game now for 15 years now um uh, directly with the uh with with property before that was in insurance um property insurances uh, you wouldn't be surprised but, uh, but basically i started my career with uh, my deposits the Tennessee deposit scheme and when uh, the government decided to make a complaint a complaint service a redress service mandatory for for letting agents we applied and we were approved as one of the uh, one of the approved schemes along with the property ombudsman and at a time there was another one called ombudsman services which are no longer in existence so there's only two of us at the moment and what do we do we deal with complaints escalated complaints that if you have a um, a customer a landlord or um a tenant if it's a letting or a buyer and a seller you can raise a complaint with us and we can um resolve it as best as we can well, that's a
0: perfect introduction. I think that we will obviously touch on some of uh, those more specific areas of, of your expertise. We will be looking at, you've obviously just released your annual reports and things like that, so it'd be remiss of us not to have a quick look into that. Uh, but we will be covering a couple of topics today. It will be looking at material information, material disclosure in property listings. Um, we'll also we'll be looking at a bit of redress as well, as you just said. Yeah, so to kick us off, let's Let's take a look at the material information side of things first. Um, it is a topic which you've contributed a, a blog on previously, but it is obviously in May that things will start to to change. So it's quite a timely, to, 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 it's the right time to discuss it. I know that you're on the steering group of the Improving yeah. Material Information in Property Listings Project uh, set up by the National Trading Standards. So could you talk us to, through, first of all, how that conversation Evolved, or perhaps why it started, and obviously then how how it evolved from there. Well,
1: I, I think you know it's it's for uh, a, a long while. Um, National Trading Standards have been uh, it, very interested in making sure that um, property agents are aware of their obligations under the uh, consumer protection rights, and the, you know one of the things that is very important is what is disclosed to a consumer that allows them to make what's called a material decision uh, to make a transaction and that material information should be given where humanly possible by an agent so if they know something or are aware of something they should make the consumer aware of it so how where does this leave on on what's actually happening with this um uh, this project well the biggest um uh, way that people get to learn about where properties are when they want to rent or buy is on the portals and i won 't mention their names, but you know them up there there are three big portals there 's a couple of other little ones that are, are um uh, in operation, and that 's where most agents will advertise their properties for sale or for rent. What they put on that is the first thing that somebody says uh, sees. In order to make a decision whether to go and view that property, whether to make an, an offer for that property, or uh, ultimately to transact and buy that property, so the portals have al- I've always said that they are just but a gateway um, to. They, they are not the ones that are actively selling; they are just providing a conduit for agents to, uh, to to sell their wares, as it is. So it's a little bit like the you know the the market pitches, uh, you know, in the old days that so there's still some around there and all the little stallholders come and they set their pitches up there they're not responsible for what is being sold or the quality of what's been sold that's always been their argument and that legally still stands however the government is very adamant that uh, agents are able to comply with the, uh, the consumer protection rights it's in the leveling up paper and they believe that if consumers are better informed, that they will make better decisions and things like house sales will be more efficient and less false throughs that there will be less discontent with re- uh, renters renting property because they will have the information openly and transparently up front. So, a working group was set up to come up with a big long list of requirements that uh, we that, that we believe that the portals should display or give the agents the opportunity to display on, um, on a property listing. And they've divided those into several uh, kind of uh, areas of importance. The first one is essential information that must be given in all cases. Now, that's fairly obvious what some of these are. Things like the price of a property, the rent, the tenure of a property, and a number of other things that are essential. There will then be followed by that uh, a list of things that are uh, uh, material and very important to disclose, uh, but won't be uh, disclosed, in, uh, need to be disclosed in every case. And then there will be other, a list coming out, the list C, which will be things that are um, would make a difference to a transaction, but not in every case. So it's kind of done in a layered view. I've sat on a lot of these committees, and it's practically kind of one every couple of weeks now because we're getting so close. And it's not easy because basically, the the portals are very reliant on information that is provided to them by the agents. Agents are very reliant on their systems, and then what's it? You know, their, their cr it crms uh, systems that feed data in. Uh, there's a lot of tech behind there, where you have to actually have more fields to be put on. So it's quite a big project, and there's quite a tight deadline on getting this this part A bit out. Where are we? We we are making very good progress, and I think you will see by the deadline that a lot of work has been done. It will start to be volunt- uh, as a voluntary basis, but it will. It, they're looking to make it mandatory in the next 18 months so it will start off as yes the fields are there fill them in the portals will then say you haven't filled them in and flag that for the consumer but ultimately there could come a day when a portal will refuse to list a property that doesn't contain this information so that was a long explanation i know
0: it was a very good explanation, I think that that's it's uh it's necessary, i suppose, because it is something that, as you say, even if it is voluntary initially, it is something that will be coming in, and the agents and landlords and so on will have to uh will have to adhere to um and correct me if i'm I'm wrong in saying this, but I do think that it's something that, in as you said, the leveling up white paper the the government has said that if they have to legislate around this and they will um do, do you think that that will have to become a requirement you know when you say it's mandatory will do you think that the legislation will be required or will just simply the technical functionality ensure that uh, agents have no choice but to follow it
1: i i think you know at some stage it will become a requirement and and the reason i th- i'm saying that because there are still uh, practices out there which i'm not saying are completely wrong but do not meet the requirement for modern consumer protection so for example one of the things we've been uh, debating is and it's very very few to be honest um, uh, i think one of the portals said it was under one percent of the of agents that do this but they put up and they uh, they don't put a price up they put price on inquiry or something like that or uh, you know so literally so that you have to ring up and say well actually how much is the property been put up uh, on the system for and uh and and you know it's very few agents to do that however it's it doesn't meet the criteria of being open and transparent so that sort of practice will, will 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 need to be looked at and and um uh agents will have to realize that that's not what the modern consumer needs or wants they've done lots of surveys and 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 all the uh, consumers out there have said that the, the if they had more information they would they would find the process easier and less stressful and it will mean that there will be less complaints hopefully so that's that's what i'm hoping anyway from my point of view
0: no, of course that is uh, that is a good end goal to to have, um, and I believe as well that it is intended to be uh, beneficial to all parties. I do think that it's something that at the minute there seems to be a bit of a lack of clarity, so it does make it difficult for agents to perhaps know the extent of the information that they s- should provide. So, in theory, this is going to be beneficial and advantage- advantageous to everybody.
1: So you're absolutely right. You know, any, these things. You know, are, there has to be some sort of sticks, uh, but there has to be some incentives. There. One of the incentives is text the agent with their legal duty but it also allows them to uh, 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 to sell a property or to rent a property more better really because they've got more information and, and, and they can they can they can target the customer towards uh, uh, the best property for the, the, the buyer or the, for the seller or the uh the, the, land, the landlord and
0: hopefully or presumably mean that people because they have all of that information up front and they won't be backing out of things later down the line when they discover that information and find that it isn't aligned with what they actually want
1: absolutely correct and there were a lot of complaints uh, you know when if i'd known that i wouldn't have you know so yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it, let's see how we go it's uh, it, you know we're not there yet but it's it, but we're, we're making big Big progress
0: on it, and I'm actually I'm going to quote uh, one of your one of the things that you said in one of your previous blogs at you just to see whether whether you still think that it's aligned. So um, last June July, um, you you said that uh, consumer protection regulations require material information disclosure, and this clearly should include building safety. So obviously, building safety has been quite a hot topic for a while. Do you do you think that this is something which is fully covered in in the plans so far? The projected parts ABC.
1: Yes. Uh, it's, to be fair, building safety has its taken a long time to get this far, hasn't it, really? Um, uh, but, you know, Once we had the, that tragedy and once it became uh, obvious that some buildings, especially high-rise buildings, were not um, fit for purpose, uh, it's been quite a, a very long and, and, for some people, very painful journey to get to where we are at the moment, not least uh, because things are not put right cheaply to be fair this is going to cost an awful lot of money uh, and, and definitely in my view building safety and uh, it, it, you know and, and to be fair all conditional property is a material fact that should be disclosed and should be monitored and should be of the highest standard so yes uh, uh, transparency and disclosure is one part of that of which building safety will be a paramount, um, a paramount uh, uh, importance.
0: And in terms of agents who are having to prepare for this, uh, you know, so I, obviously in theory they should know things like the rent and all of the, you know, these these essential pieces of information already. Uh, but how? What? How would you advise them to prepare for these changes that are coming? in? you, you know, should should they just it'd be a question of ensuring that all of their records are up to date to ensure that they're starting to collect this information now, so that then when parts B, C, etc. are or they do become mandatory, agents are fully prepared just to jump on board because they've got all of that information already I mean how what tips could you give agents
1: that are looking to prepare for that you're absolutely right is you know to keep your records up to date as much as possible uh, uh remember that you have a duty to you know to disclose but also to make reasonable inquiries uh if you're getting information from a, a, a buyer or a landlord to make sure that information is as to the best of your knowledge, correct and accurate, or at least then you know to uh, to highlight and warn a consumer that you don 't have perfect information on that. We do realize that a lot of uh, um, uh, leasehold flats and and uh, uh, are sold and they have got uh, freeholders and uh, property managers behind them, and getting information out of them is not always as um, easy as it sounds Uh, I know the government was looking at trying to make that information more more readily available you don't have to be an expert on fire safety building safety etc you just have to make sure that the requisite forms and uh, designations have been put into place okay and present them to the consumer as openly as you can do that. And I know that a lot of our agents are uh, anxious out there because they're not experts, they're not surveyors, they're not building safety managers. And they don't have to be. They just have to be as open and transparent and provide as much information as they that, that they can to the consumer. And
0: I guess, the, obviously, there is some well, I don't know whether it's directly help, but there is some information out there to help direct. I think it's the buying and selling property information form, for example. I believe that that's been updated recently or released recently, and that includes a lot of information. So it should give an idea, a bit of a steer in terms of what they can start looking into.
1: Absolutely. Now, you know, of course, you know, I I, I think I said in in my blog, uh, you know, it's very important that uh, 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 you, you Give that information to a buyer, or, you know, someone buying a property, but equally for renting, um, you know, and the tenants that are, are are renting properties in buildings that are subject to these requirements uh, are going to need um, need information about what it means to them. Uh, and they're not going to be that technical. That's the problem. You know, they, they just want to know, is it safe to live in? Uh, And the other area, I you know, I I do say to agencies that, you know, if you're renting out properties that could be subject to remedial work, uh, you know, please tell the tenant because if they're going to be faced with disruption for six, eight, 12 months of their tenancy, they're not going to be very pleased with that, you know, just from from a, a, you know, a a noise and an inconvenience point of view, not, not you know, not least the fact, you know, the building, uh, it's been brought up to safe uh, measure, but you know, you've got to take that into consideration as well. So, you know, I, I do understand that agents will find this challenging, but help and guidance has to be there, and we've been pushing all along for the government to provide as much help, support, and guidance, especially for uh, you know for, for for agents and property managers as possible. And you know, let's just hope that uh, we've now turned the corner and we can we can move forward with this.
0: And perhaps just to round off this part of uh, the the podcast, you've already mentioned that for consumers, it is something that they're asking for. It is something that they, or at least something that they agree with. Uh, have you re- have you received positive feedback from the rest of the industry? I mean, from agents and so on. Do they recognise that this is
1: in place to help them? Obviously, the fact that there are benefits and so on. Well, to be fair, and this is this is this is one of the things that has come out of the, the working group. Most agents are providing most of what is going to be required. There are few gaps on most of the people that are operating out there. Your property mark agents and, and other ones there are providing that information. Therefore, you know it's now just about basically uh, for most agents, it's 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 having the reassurance and the guidance that they are doing the right thing. Uh, for those that are not providing that, well, we, you know we've we've got to, to say, well, are these the sort of people that we want to see operating? And, uh, we know that. Um, Portals, since they've been brought in, have been subject to some abuse, uh, portal juggling, for example, Uh, various uh, um, other kind of little uh, practices that uh, some agents believe um, give them a competitive advantage. So this will level the playing field, uh, dare I say it. And those agents that are complying and, and have complied and will comply with the new regulations can, uh, you know, uh, rest easier. That there aren't people breaking the rules and, and trying to get a competitive advantage by manipulating uh, the portal um, the portal system. So. Let's wait and see, but I think most will will welcome it. There, there will always be kind of controversial areas where uh, uh, you know um, it, it, you know people will say, well, that's going too far or not. But on the whole, I think we've had a very measured approach to uh, to the rollout of this.
0: Well, that's, that's good to hear. Um, and I think that, uh, that's, uh, that's a good transition into uh, the next part of the podcast where we will look a little bit at redress. But before we dive into that, I think we can take a quick break. Are you always worrying about compliance at your agency and just want it off your plate? Well, that's one of the things Good Lord's here to help you with. From sending the How to Rent Guide and attaching property certificates. To taking the right deposit amounts and sending prescribed information. We'll help you take care of lettings compliance all in one place. Head to goodlord.co to check compliance off your to do list.
1: Goodlord, it's just that good. <laughs>
0: So now let's let's turn and take a look at the uh, redress um side of this podcast that I promised at the beginning. Obviously uh redress or sort of stronger redress for tenants this was included in or mentioned in the Levelling Up white paper. So but I know that it's something that um, you've been involved in, in a redress pilot that's currently underway. I mean what is that all about? You know, what does that include? Um, how are you currently working to uh, to get this uh, pilot um uh, to throughout uh, the process of setting up this pilot and so on.
1: Well, I mean, the reason we're setting up the pilot is that for three, four, maybe even longer years, um, the government's been promising to reform the rental sector, and one of the areas that uh, you know was very clear was providing a non-court-based uh, redress process um, for uh, tenants. Um, They uh, sorted out um, redress in terms of uh, landlords and tenants in terms of agents, but the big gap was landlords. And we know that um, although a good number of landlords use agents, not all of them do, and some only use agents for a limited amount of their um, um, uh, transactions. of the process. So they will use it for let only or rent collect and property manage it, or they will self-manage completely. So the whole idea, uh, the government uh, uh, has said, is they will bring in landlord redress as a mandatory requirement for all landlords to provide that to their tenants. That will square the circle and close the gap that uh, uh, all tenants will be protected in some form of redress. However, the devil is always in the detail. And I sat at round tables, We sat at consultations. Um, uh, uh, ben Beadle, who is the CEO of the National uh, Residential Landlord Association, who are we who we are doing this pilot with, went sat in front of all the civil servants and uh, and MPs to give evidence. Um, and the reality is that we sat down and said to ourselves, "Well." It's great to talk, it's great to you know to um to talk about things in theory, but if you do something in practice and you can show the results of it, that's far, far more powerful. Why don't we run a pilot? We know how to do redress and we know somebody uh who who is knows landlords. So ourselves and the NRLA and um, uh, slightly later on, uh, TDS, one of the deposit schemes, uh, came on board and said, look, well, let's run a pilot. Uh, we will do that with the members of the NRLA. So it's not going to be an open um, pilot to, uh, to all landlords. But if we use those landlords that are members of the NRLA, uh, we, we can have a look at how this is going to work in practice what mechanisms we would need to, to 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 put into place what its success rates are and what its what well, the pitfalls and the and and the and and the benefits of it so we have now got around about 5000 signed up people signed up to us um uh, to be fair we have had three complaints uh, uh, put forward to us which we have been unable to deal with because they are actually to deal with the agent. so we have signposted them to the to the appropriate redress scheme for that. But we are hopeful that um, by doing this, we will we will basically iron out a lot of the problems that could emerge from a scheme set up on paper, but that doesn't know uh, how it's going to work in reality. That's where we are with the pilot.
0: I mean, it's interesting. I mean, obviously having 5,000 people uh, already um, jumped in and, and starting to to use it, it seems that it's already, the idea itself o- or already seems to work or at least attract landlords that they obviously don't seem to have an issue with using it at this stage. Would that be correct, a correct assumption?
1: Uh, to, yes to be to, to be fair uh that is absolutely uh you know the situation uh, to be fair the <laughs> the NRL have been very good and they have uh, they have offered it to their landlords for nothing at the present moment uh saying that uh in my estimation and and uh, uh, you can quite be back here a few years from now when it is actually mandatory I don't think it's going to be prohibitively expensive to run a scheme uh, in the first instance, uh, because there are about two and a half million landlords out there, and ultimately, if you spread the uh, the the, the costs of all of this over the whole of the sector, uh, um, and given that relatively it's around about five percent of uh, um, of landlords or sorry of agents at the moment who have a, 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 a comp- Uh, a a lot of complaints you're going to have similar numbers so it's i think i think this is also going to show how how effective this can be and cost effective as well as as well as being a a really good thing for the industry so it's really good that they've come on board and i know these are people who have joined a voluntary organization to be better so are not going to be the worst of the landlords but i think we will still be able to learn an awful lot of lessons from this
0: That's perhaps a slight tangent, but it seems that what you've gone away and done is realise that these reforms have been on the horizon for a fair amount of time now. Um, And you do seem to have looked at it and said, right, OK, how can we push this forward, but in the right way, in the right direction? I mean, how important is it for agents, lettings, professionals and landlords and so on to get involved in these conversations? And what is the
1: scope for them to be able to do that? We've engaged ever since we've known that a reform agenda has been on the um, on the cards and reached out to uh you know to landlords and to Letting agents and yes, and tenants. A lot of landlords and agents have actually engaged with the process already and that is really positive. But I'm gonna be honest and say that for some some out there It doesn't matter how many messages we put out, how many lovely uh, articles we put out out on the the brilliant uh, Good Lord News agent. They are not going to uh, engage until they are absolutely forced to do so. So I do realise that. uh, But um, so far, it is so important that those who have engaged do engage because we can iron out the unforeseen consequences early. We can make it work for the industry, as well as uh, protect the consumers, so you've got that virtuous um, situation where the customer and the provider are in uh, in, in a mutually um, uh, benef- beneficial uh, relationship, uh, and and the legislation ties up to help protect their, both parts, sets of the parties. So yes, but yes, there is still going to be people that it's, it's all going to be a big surprise when it uh, it all goes mad. So.
0: Yeah, no, I suppose that there is quite a lot changing. So when there's that much changing, it uh, it really does need to be, uh, it will be quite difficult to ensure that everybody's on board and knows uh, knows about them before before it happens. So uh, there are always going to be these people that fall through the net. Just to move on, perhaps to your annual report. Um, I know that uh, that came out recently. So it seemed good timing to to touch on that as well, just to see what kind of highlights uh, there were in that. Perhaps if you'd like to, to go through and just uh, give us a bit of an overview, really, as you know, new Conclusions and things that, that arose from from that.
1: Well, we've got our we've got our our, our um, annual report earlier than ever before. Would you believe it? So we you know we've run a uh, um, a year which is April to April, and we have literally got the report out uh, um, with all the, the statistics. It wasn't even the end the, the the end of April, so we've got it out in in, in weeks of actually. Our results actually coming through, which I think is uh, is very very useful because it 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 means that this this information is as up to date and fresh as you can get it. What's the highlights? Well, our membership has grown and it's grown almost nine percent. And given that, what I observed was that that that, uh, a lot of people exited the market, a lot of agents exited the market, more came in, so it's a net nine percent. Okay, and we're over sixteen thousand members there. Uh, but you know, uh, the, the pandemic did show that some—you know—the the, the water was too hot for some agents, and and some agents have have left the sector. Um, but a lot have come in, and more have come in to replace them. Um, what has that meant in terms of complaints? Well, complaints have gone up. If your membership goes up, your complaints go up. But proportionately to their membership, they haven't gone up. As much as uh, as it did the, the the previous year, and although complaints are coming in, less of those complaints are being upheld. So we are finding that um, that although awareness and complaints are going up, that the agents are not to blame in a lot more cases. So usually, usually, if a complaint comes through uh, and goes through our processes. It's usually for a reason, but we found that more complaints that have been coming in are not the fault of the agent. Now, that means partially uh, that um, uh, that some of that might be down to landlords, which is why landlord recess is so important. But it also, I think, shows that the industry is Taking this role very seriously, and it is uh, um, a, a professional sector for the most part. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody's that way, and we have seen a number of areas where complaints have increased quite dramatically. Part of that is to do with the pandemic. So the one the the one that we've mostly seen is the rent to rent sector, and complaints on the rent to rent sector have um, you know are the the main area where we've had an increase in uh, in complaints and that is because the rent to rent model was put under severe pressure by the pandemic if you've got tenants in your property that are not paying rent or you are not able to rent out properties under the rent to rent model you still have the legal obligation to pay your landlords but you aren't getting an income in so you can imagine that has caused pressures for those agents undertaking that model so we wait to see how that pans out now that we're we're out of a pandemic but we still have uh Quite a lot of uh, rent arrears and we still, I still have a lot of reservations about that model in terms of its regulation and in terms of, of, of how it's controlled and the competence of people that, uh, of some agents that are in that sector. So rent to rent is something I'm going to be looking at. I've raised that with both government and national trading standards and I think you'll hear more of that as we go along. Uh, another area which, uh, was quite interesting and, uh, um, and, and saw a number of uh, an increase in complaints is virtual viewings and people claim claiming that they um, did not get to see the property uh, Especially during the pandemic, so it was they was they they viewed it and virtual by video online, and when they got to the property, it wasn't what they thought it was, and they uh, alleged that they'd been missold it, uh, um, and, or it wasn't what they uh, they they expected. So we saw during the pandemic um, a rise in uh, virtual viewings across the industry. And a lot of innovative uh, products that came out. And there is still a lot of virtue in a modern uh, virtual viewing arena there in terms of engaging with far more prospective renters or buyers in the initial stages. But our advice has always been that when you get down to the hard cash, the hard transaction, the person who is entering into that transaction should at all encouraged to go and see the property and view it themselves i will give you one little case study that we have had very recently and this was a basement flat being advertised for rent it was viewed virtually okay using uh, um, um, uh, a panoramic video thing and upon the video it wasn't it represented the property. It was a good, a good quality. It it didn't kind of selectively hide bits of it. However, when uh, when tenants uh, and they paid all the up front fees, and when the tenant picked up the keys and moved into the property, they discovered that the the the, the flat ceiling was only two meters high, and he was one point nine meters high. It was six. It was six foot five, and he was six foot three. He wasn't very happy, and then therefore decided that he wasn't going to take the um, take the flat. So we've had that issue of you know him signing a contract being in breach of contract. But was he missold? Can he pull out? All of these things there. So those are the sort of uh, things that are not disclosed if you you know uh, um, necessarily on a uh, on a virtual platform, and the other methods of kind of. Communicating information as needed. So I am not saying that virtual viewing is not a positive thing, but it has to be taken into context that ultimately, if the consumer has not physically viewed the property, you've got to have to actually make some provisions for the fact that they, you know, that they need extra information to make a material decision.
0: No, especially for something like that, it wouldn't necessarily be something that you'd anticipate needing to ask about whether you'd fit into you know that particular case study, whether you fit into the flat or not. That one is quite an unusual one, I would well, have thought. Yeah, well,
1: these are the sort of things we deal with on a daily basis. Yeah, <laughs>
0: exactly. But I suppose that if you use it as this, this technology as a means to filter tenants and make sure that they're they're really interested in the property before you then go on to actually view it in person, then it can still help save time. It can still be beneficial, but as you say, it can perhaps avoid those uh, misunderstandings which. Uh, weren't deliberate but uh but can perhaps happen
1: <laughs> yeah
0: uh, ju- just to quickly um uh, just look back at the, this idea of the rent-to-rent sector uh, as well just do you think that um, those particular the the pressures that have perhaps been highlighted by the pandemic do you think that this will deter agents from utilizing that model in the future going forward so do you think it will just perhaps need a bit of a consideration around it more consideration in, in how it's used in the future
1: I I think that those agents that uh, have been burnt by it, um, uh, will not use it again uh, but unfortunately it's still a very attractive model out there for um a lot of uh, people wanting to get into property uh, and again it, it 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 touches on to um a campaign that my good friend Paul Champelina of Landlord Action along with other people like Vanessa uh, Warwick and, uh, and and others uh, are on on property source, sources and property educators uh, the hMO and the rent to rent models are very popular models to uh, to encourage people to get into property investment because it 's low capital and and high yield on the whole um, um, so you don 't actually have to buy your own property uh, as a rent to renter you, you you just have to find the tenants and uh, and manage the properties and and and, uh, and and as long as you're paying the person that uh, owns the property uh, then it's it's a good model for, uh, in terms of um, you know of getting into the property world but if you don't have the due diligence you don't have all the other kind of um, uh, protections that you need on this or you don't understand or don't want to understand that you are uh, you know have a, a that financial risk and that financial responsibility, then that's where it goes wrong. Um, you know, rent to rent as a model, if it's done pr- absolutely properly, is a is a very, very good way of, get, of getting into property. If you don't know what you're doing or that you are, are not particularly ethical in what you are doing, then it is a very, very bad model. So, um, you know, that's my view on it. And uh, I'm there to support any um, any 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 further regulation and campaign to increase standards in that area.
0: Well, oh, those are certainly some very interesting uh, results from from the past year, uh, especially around the idea of, um, well, the the fact that your data would seem to suggest that the industry at large is moving towards this idea of professionalisation, despite the fact that uh, the regulation of property agents hasn't come in yet. It seems to be moving that way on on its own, perhaps pushed by the fact that these will be coming in. But uh, it's nice to hear that that is the direction of travel uh, at large. Um, well, just to round off our conversation. Um, I will caveat this question with the fact that uh, the Queen's speech is in a couple of weeks' time and the fact that we haven't yet had the white paper for the renter's reform bill. Um, and that is has been promised and it's sort of there on the horizon. We're just waiting for, for those further details. But in terms of some of these reforms actually becoming law, you know, legal requirements, especially around reform and obviously the other things that were, that um, come under the umbrella of the renter's reform bill, you know, abolishing Section 21, etc. What, what kind of time Lines, do you think that we're looking at there? Um, assuming that we do still get this white paper in the spring, you know, what would be the earliest that um, that you suspect that the legislation will actually come into
1: force? Well, I think it's going to have to be done in 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 tranches, and in, in stages. Um, uh, you know, a because it's you know it's a big piece of work. Um, B it's quite complex. Some of the some of the areas, um, you know, especially the abolition of no fault. Um, uh, um, evictions, which you know it sounds very simple to get rid of section twenty one but then you know what do you do with court reform section eight bailiffs uh courts the whole the whole thing there is a lot more complex than people realize um it, that needs that project needs to start. But I think where they will go and you know you 've always got to look at it, this politically uh, at some stage um, all politicians have to go to the to the people to the polls, and we know we 've got an election in uh, two years' time. Um, I think they will be looking at a register, so a landlord register that 's not licensing or registration it 's a register, and on the back of that landlord redress, I think they are going to be the two um, uh, starting points. Uh, The other other reforms, I think, will take a little bit longer. So I would say, I I think because they have done this feasibility study that they're undertaking, I'm I'm trying to find out more about this project that they've done. uh, I think that they could they could get if they could get the legislation uh, through quickly, and when we mean quickly for parliamentary terms, that's a year. I think you could see. I register as soon as next year, sometime probably late next year, and uh, with re- with landlord redress on that. Especially if our pilot goes really well, um, and then I think uh, the 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 legislation will then allow a provision for the introduction of, of the uh, section twenty one reforms and the and, and the court reforms. Now, whether the um, political and public will tolerate the government not having delivered the abolition of Section 21 by the time they go to the polls is a factor. So I, I would say that that might be a stick to beat the current government with that they promised and never delivered in the parliament and they've pushed it into the next parliament. Uh, but I certainly think uh, um, um, uh, they have listened and realised that it is not as simple just to you know remove uh, no fault um um uh, possessions without looking at the whole process of possessions evictions courts everything else so that that that's that's as that's as far as I'm going to say at the moment i I no doubt will be proved wrong <laughs> <laughs> Well, I,
0: I know I perhaps put you on the spot with the question, but even if it's just to know that it's not going to be, you know, at the end of this year or whatever, I realise that very few people would really and they expect that. But it's nice just to get a bit of an idea. And I'm sure that when further details are released in this white paper, whenever that may be, then we'll, uh, we'll be able to perhaps refine <laughs> those timelines a bit more. But uh, that's great then. Well, thank you ever so much, Sean, for, for joining me today on this podcast. It's been a really interesting conversation. I think that that's, it's good to get that overview out there about material information and the different stages, what uh, agents are going to have to prepare for that, and as well as obviously looking at redress and, uh, and how, how that's going in terms of the pilot and where we think that could be going in the future. So, thank you again.
1: Thank you so much, Susie, and thank you for all the things that uh, Good Lord are doing with Newsagent in uh, spreading uh, uh, the, the, the news and giving the information to everybody out there in the industry. So thank you.